Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. I have uh, I have no guest host today. Chip couldn't make it. Um, but with me behind the boards, as always, and Kahuna. I'm Chip Chantry, and welcome um. to I Love Rock and Roll. <laughs> and uh, our guest today. Very, very funny stand-up comedian. Uh, he has a popular podcast called the DBS Podcast. Uh, one of my good friends, and if you've seen Christy Stefano live, chances are you have seen uh, our next guest live. Uh, what's going on, Sergio Chacon? I'm doing fantastically well. Krantz, I miss you, brother. I know, I miss you too. This is uh, this the when's the, I can't, when's the last time I saw you in person? It's when it's when you I, and Chris. I think we were at the Stress Factory, uh, and yeah, you popped through, and we were hanging out there for a bit. Yes, yeah, that was like in the height of COVID. That's when you. That's when you. Yeah, had we didn't it. know how to act. We didn't know whether to give each other knuckles, pound, the mask, all that shit. Yeah. And we were still, you know, we were still doing it under the tent. Under the tent. Not the, the only thing that's changed is it's not much. You're still under the tent, but they don't make you wear masks. Yeah. I don't. I like, listen, man. I don't. I don't. I never. I, I never had an issue with the mask. I like the mask. I don't mind the masks either. I don't. Because, because what you know, I enjoy when when women walk by. I could do this. <laughs> stick my tongue out <laughs> with the mask on you can't tell what a creep I'm being so yeah. I can stick my tongue out make disgusting faces yeah it's a strange it, it, yeah it just looks like your mask has a fucking boner and it's the weirdest thing in the world <laughs> <laughs> how you know my mask doesn't protrude out this way yes yeah, so, some of them mask. some of them do some of them are like pointy like that so how am I? I'm ahead of the game. Yo, Big Kahuna, I'm ahead of the game, baby. How am I supposed to know you have the chin of a Family Guy character? That's not my thing I should know. <laughs> <laughs> and with me, honestly, I just feel like the the less of my face you see, the, the better. Oh, that or, reminds me. There oh. we go. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, visual joke on a podcast that works really well. Yeah, we we do a lot of that. <laughs> Yo, yeah, you know what, man? Uh, covering half your face you got some nice uh you got some nice eyes cranks so that might that might work out in your benefit yes yeah yeah like from the eyes up like from the eyes to my hairline it's it's gold like i'm very happy yeah you have and you have a good head of hair yeah i got i got good hair it's it's one once you get to the nose and then down it, that's when everything falls apart you look a little bit like a legal aid lawyer <laughs> <laughs> you look like someone who definitely got me out of a pinch before. <laughs> a little bit. Maybe that's why we got along and I have such a close affinity to you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like, yeah, yeah, like helpful. Yeah. Every, All people, you need is like a Nilla folder pinned between your arms. <laughs> your rib. People like to keep me around because I'm a Jew. They think that'll come in handy at some point, but it never, it never comes in handy. Like, I'm not good at... <laughs> The so only, you're like a, a self-proclaimed useless Jew. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get any. I didn't get any. I didn't get any of the math skills. I'm. I'm fiscally, uh, mentally handicapped. I. I'm. I didn't get any. Like the only Jew thing that I've nailed is I can complain when it's too hot out. Like with the best of them. <laughs> I gotta say, man, me and you have both been in very compromising situations, and you never complain. I always felt like I was the Steinberg in the situation. 
<laughs> That's right. Yeah. Seriously. Right. How many times have we done sketches and been at shows and I'm like, oh, well, I've never. Who do I have to talk to? <laughs> and, and you were like, dude, it's fine. We're out here, and it's, you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be good. And I'm, and I'm catching a fit. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that is. I hate true. when you're cool as I hate when you're cool as a cucumber and I'm uh, and I'm seeing red rats. It annoys me. You when we were shooting that sketch, you were like, if there was a trailer, you would have stormed off into it at one point. But there wasn't a trailer, so we just had to go eat donuts across the street until you calmed down. <laughs> Hey, tell yes. tell everybody real quick before we before we get into this week's topic. Tell them about your podcast. Hum what DBS stands for. Tell them where they could find it. Oh, DBS. The acronym is for dirtbag shit. But because I I have no luck with sponsorship, I think I'm just going to change it to drugs, boxing, and sobriety, or something of that sort. The acronym lends itself to many different names, but originally was Dirtbag Shit. Right. Dirtbag <laughs> Stories. DBS Podcast with your host, Sergio Chicone. It's gritty. It's very New York-centric. It's fun. And yeah, man. And I've had Ken on before, and we had a good time. I got to get you back. This time around, I got a studio, so it'll yeah. be real nice. I know. I want to come. I want to come do it. But like, can I zoom? Like, I don't want to like come to Queens to come do it. Like, can is can I zoom in? <laughs> no, you know what? I want you there in person because we're yeah. good like this. Yeah. But whenever you're in the city, whenever you're working Gotham or something, we'll just get you in a little earlier and do it that way. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna be. I'm going to be at the stand in a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll talk off. I'm going to be at the that. stand in a couple of weeks. So maybe I'll come in early and we'll do it. Oh man, that'd be perfect. Cause the stand is like within a 10 block radius. Oh really? Yeah. All right. Perfect. I just said that confidently. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I you on that. Show, you totally saw me. No I was idea. like, oh, perfect. I'll, I'll get there early. I no. can walk. I already had the whole day mapped out. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely like it's, it's seriously is walking distance. Sergio, but that then was again, so I'm nice. a marathon. So what we consider walking distance may be a little different. <laughs> <laughs> that was some masterful bullshittery. I might have to take your Yo, master class. That was, that, you saw how I plugged my own athleticism in there? Like a dick. <laughs> Speaking of dicks, freaking, I think we're, you're about to talk about one of uh, hip-hop's most uh, notorious, infamous figures today, huh? Yeah, I'm excited. So this is our this is our first uh, foray into hip-hop. This, this is our first uh, hip-hop. Is it really? I, I think so. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. long enough. I see how it is, Ken. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Yeah, well, I would just wait until we ran out of everybody in rock and roll, and then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "No, we've actually." I, I this is uh, this is one I've been wanting to cover. I've, I've you and I, I've tried getting you on before, and the schedules just haven't worked out. So I'm I'm happy that you could do it now. But this yeah, week, yeah, well traveled, been around the world, so you know, you caught me. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're talking about old dirty bastard. AKA A Son, unique A Son. It's the ODB kid. <laughs> AKA Big Baby Jesus. Big Baby Jesus. AKA Osiris. Osiris. AKA Dirt McGirt. Uh-huh. Dirt McGirt. Yeah, wait, he actually um will I'm I'm jumping ahead, but when he we'll, we'll talk about this, but when he got out of one of his, when he got out of a 3-year prison stint, he held a press conference just to let people know that um he was changing his name to Dirt McGirt. 
<laughs> that's that's what was weighing heavy on his mind after three years in prison. I actually saw when I was doing my research, I saw um, a list of all his nicknames. There's some there's some in here that that I've never heard, but I thought they were all pretty good. Um, we we did come with a lot of them. He's got a lot. There, well, I I found an article that ranked all twenty eight. Twenty eight. God damn, he has more. He has more nicknames than he does. Than he does kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One thing about ODB, he likes to fuck. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen. I I think the name Old Dirty Bastard was absolutely earned. Um, Appropriate. I, I, wa I watched a clip on YouTube last night where they were asking him how many kids he has, and he said. Uh, he said, I have 13 kids, but only three or four main ones. <laughs> ODB stood on top of that BBS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would have been... If, if he, he was if, on some dirtbag shit. Yeah, he would have he would have been a good get for you if if he <laughs> if he hadn't done the dirtbag the dirtbag thing and uh, OD'd on crack. Um... <laughs> Wait, so we should some more of his nicknames. Dirt Schultz, which... <laughs> oh, uh, that, I've never heard that one before. No, there, there's a bunch of these I never heard. Uh, Christy McStab... Oh, Knifey McStab. <laughs> Little Billy Clinton. Well, okay. Peanut the Kidnapper. That's very... No way. I, come on. That's I'm, very specific. Um, they ranked the number one. This was one I'd never even heard from him. But his number one ranking was Roll Fizzle Beef. <laughs> what the freeloading fuck? Rusty was another one. Yes, freeloading. Yeah, freeloading Rusty. Joe Bananas. Oh, this is a good one. Big Box O'Chili. The one. There's one on Wikipedia I'm reading right now that it just stands out. Uh, it was a old dirty Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you sure that's not just a Yelp review? Are you sure that? <laughs> oh my god. Um. So oh, well, let me get to my notes. So ODB born November fifteenth, nineteen sixty eight. I was I read an article. He got his. He was a really talented dude musically. Um, he he could actually play some instruments. I think. He, I I don't know if this is true. I read like there's so much of him that's myth. Uh, that's like become a myth. Like you don't know what's true and what isn't. But I did read that he got his first recording contract at twelve. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's you know a lot of those Wu Tang members had early contracts. I know uh, the RZA, the mm -hmm. producer. He's like the head of the whole thing. He uh, went by Prince Rakim, mm -hmm. and he was kind of like an R and B rapper. Yeah. And it was very commercial. He had like one hit, and they soon like dropped him from the label, and then he formed Wu Tang Clan, and so did Jizza. Just as another one, right? Who I believe had uh, a record out, and it was very different from the Wu Tang gritty, raw, you know, you know, bare wood sound, right? You know? uh, but I never heard of ODB uh, doing any previous work before the Wu Tang I, track, But I would, I would, I would believe it. I, would I totally I, believe it. I don't even know if he ever released anything or if he signed a contract and nothing ever came of it. But um, yeah, no, I. 
I'd never heard that either. In fact, I think I think I think Rizzo was um, his first contract was with Tommy. I think Tommy Boy signed him at eighteen. Yes. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe Rizzo, old dirty bastard. Uh, we're cousins. Yes, and and Jizza, right? I think all three of them. Yes, I think those three are cousins. And then I saw on Wikipedia, I've never heard this before anywhere in any interview, so I don't take it with a grain of salt, but I also saw he was Flavor Flav's cousin. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not I, they're, they're, they're cousins. I mean, that could be true. I never heard that, but I believe they're cousins musically with the way they presented themselves, the way they behaved. Yeah. You know, they're cousins that way creatively and how they, you know, uh, flaunted their wild style. You know, Old Dirty Bastard was really influenced by old school cats like Marvin mm-hmm. Gaye, James Brown. Yeah, Otis Redding. James. Yeah. You can see it and the way his singing and his antics. I mean, he, he said that uh, in interviews that I read back in the days that his mother would stay playing the oldies like Rick James and stuff like that. And that's what he originally wanted to be. Like he wants to be a singer that way. Well, he actually, that's part of what made him stand out so much was that he would, he would half sing, half rap. And, um, there, I don't think there was a lot of dudes doing that back then. Listen, if old dirty bastard and what was I had to compare him to a boxer, I'm not sure if you know this boxer, but it was a boxer by the name of Emmanuel Augustus, aka the drunken yes. monkey. Yes. Oh uh, God. And this guy will fight. Yes. You know, and he was very unorthodox. Every move that he put in place in the ring would could never be mimicked. It was like a one and done deal. Right. It's like good ass original crowd work, right? Oh, yeah. so one time you're gonna hear it and that's it. Hope you enjoyed it. There might be footage of it, they may not be. But that's the way old dirty bastard kind of you know, his live shows I've heard were like just off the wall. He would turn the room upside down, he would sing, he would dance, he would lay on the floor, he would bring audience members up, and he was just like a real showman, a real performer. And really his music kind of represented kind of a very uh, off-the-cuff sound and feel, which we don't get very often. You no. know, those are like one in the mill, you know? He was a rare breed. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to imagine him, like, writing down rhymes and, and going into the studio and practicing them. And He was it's... notorious for crashing studio uh, sessions. Oh, I <laughs> so what that I means that. is... Yeah, so Cameron who's a rapper from Harlem, was, I believe, recording for his second or third album. I believe it was called Sports, Drugs, and Entertainment was the title of the album. But there was a song called uh, Violence. And the beat was hard. Like, it's one of those beats that I have you join the Taliban. Like, yes, <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> You know, it's one of those beats that I have you like this. You know, it was those beats that you'll push out those trap muscles and clench your fists until you white knuckle. It was the, it was a, a hardcore beat. So the story goes that Cameron is in the middle of the session, and lo and behold, guess who rolls in the session drunk, opens the door, and says, "Y'all want to get on that?" 
ODB. Cameron said that ODB spent, spit the verse in 30 seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that was it. He didn't ask for any money. It stood, the verse stood on the record, and he was notorious for that. He would go, he would crash studio sessions, give free verses, and then do whatever he did with the rest of the night. Well, he had he had three or four main kids. He should have taken some money. Don't you feel like <laughs> he, he was always in trouble for child support? Yeah. Um, he's also famous. And we're jumping around, but he, he he's famous for crashing a lot of shit. Like, uh, remember when he crashed the Grammys? Yeah. And what, what he said, uh, he said, I bought this really nice suit. Wait, here it's he had, I, he had gold frame glasses, cornrows. Yes. Yeah, he he was he was it was the 1998 Grammys. I actually have where is it? I have I have the whole speech here somewhere. Um, who who was presented the award? Was it Erica Badu? No, 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 no. It was you're you're gonna be like who? Um, it was um, it was the award was being given for Song of the Year, and Sean Colvin was like a I think she was like an Irish folk white lady who yeah she she was like she was into that little fair music type yes shit. yeah 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 so if you went to a Sean Colvin concert it was definitely white women with hairy legs underarm hair and dreadlocks yes yeah she she was she was getting her she she got song of the year so I don't know if Wu-Tang was nominated for song of the year but she was that's that's how fucking I, I couldn't name a Sean Colvin song. But in 1998, she was she was on and popping. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Grammys decided she, it was the best one. But old, old, dirty, old, dirty, uh, completely unannounced. Uh, he takes he, he, he jumps on stage, like you said, like in a gold suit and says no, it, was, it was it was a wine color suit. Oh, burgundy. Oh, oh, maybe that was. And he it. spent a, he spent a lot of money on it. Yeah, well, he says, "Please, please, this is the this is the whole speech. Please calm down. The music and everything. It's nice that I went and bought me an outfit today that costed a lot of money today. You know what I mean? Because I figured that Wu Tang was going to win. I don't know how you all see it, but when it comes to the children, Wu Tang is for the children. We teach the children. You know what I mean?" Puffy is good, but Wu-Tang is the best, okay? I want you to know that this is ODB, and I love you all. Peace. And then he stormed off. And was cheered. Right, right. Yes. And there was, and they sent a guy out to try and wrangle him off, and then I was, like, wondering about that guy. Like, can you imagine being backstage, and then someone, like, your boss is like, hey, can you go get old, dirty bastard off stage <laughs> for us? I also thought... Uh, the way he kissed Erica Badu was very aggressive. I remember that. That stood out to me because I watched it live. She was presenting the award to Sean Oh, Cole. okay, maybe that was it. Yeah, and he like creeped up behind her. Like, remember Beetlejuice? Uh, yes. Uh, when he came to life on the rail, on the handrail. The snake. <laughs> the snake, yeah. He like, his head popped around and wrapped. That's the way he, he wrapped around. It's showtime. Yeah, yeah. Around Erica Badu's neck and then kissed her right on the side. Oh, man. My cheek has never been the same. It's still <laughs> now, question. Which, which, in your opinion, both of you, do you think is the more disrespectful incident? Kanye interrupting Taylor or... 
or old dirty bastard interrupting this woman. I think it's this one only because this dude talked about strictly himself while Kanye was like someone else deserved this and interrupted something else. So in, in your most humble opinion, which beef do you think is a bit crazier? I think... Um, or incident, sorry, that's a, not that's beef. A, that's a good question. Like, I would say ODB at least was out there like on behalf of the children, you know? Like he was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this dude But but the thing is like I feel like even Sean Colvin was like I haven't even heard of me. Like I'm there's no way <laughs> <laughs> Like she had to have known this is the crowning moment of her life and she's never gonna be back. But like Taylor Swift was probably like, I'm gonna be up here a bunch more times. You know? I, I feel like they were both disrespectful. I don't know. What do you think, Sergio? I have a, okay, so Sean Colvin, I agree. I don't think she, she had any, I still don't know who she is, right? I thought, I thought it was Miranda from Sex and the City. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, she drops records too? When I just saw the photo of her, I was like, oh, that's Miranda, the tight ass lawyer from Sex and the City. It does kind of look like lesbian, her. Who's actually a lesbian in real life running for Senate. <laughs> that's, the, that's the woman I know, right? Yeah. That's who I saw. So I think I was such a big Wu-Tang fan. Like, I, I mean, I'm like six hours away from getting a Wu-Tang emblems tattooed on my neck, that type of shit. I'm yeah. like a big Wu-Tang fan. So they could do no wrong. And you gotta understand, this is a long time ago. So I was younger. So if you were to ask of my initial response, I was like, yeah, Wu forever. You know, like for the children, I, I, don't <laughs> I didn't care. I didn't care about that woman's feelings. All right, but the Kanye incident, I'm a little older, you know, Kanye, he, he, I love Kanye, he's one of my favorites, but leading up to that, I saw him drinking Hennessy. I'm, I'm sober now, so I'm, I'm looking at him like, oh, grow up, you know, you're walking all the bottom <laughs> I scoffed at him, I was like, oh, he's disgusting. I'm like, you know, so I had a very different reaction given where I was at personally. So I'm going to say that uh, Kanye's was definitely more disrespectful to me. Like, I felt like, like, oh, well, I never. I definitely <laughs> yeah. got a little fight uh, ass with it. I have to watch this clip because I haven't watched it in years because I've seen it where he storms the stage. And the fact that I think what also plays into it is that the audience really, really kind of accepted it. Like, they didn't yes. necessarily boo like how like they they were kind of like ah he's onto something I think, but yeah. in the middle of this woman's award speech, I would love to see her reaction. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, I think Kanye's is a bit more disrespectful. Uh, and I, I I say Kanye also just be I just like ODB better. Like I, yeah, it's like you said, it's just like. <laughs> It's it's like you know it's like when it, it's like when it, one of your favorite artists gets me tooed and you're like yeah but you know like it's easy it's easy to boycott some shit you don't like to begin with you know yeah for sure I mean that's the way I felt about Louis C K and the, the allegations against against him I never really did the research I was like I like him too much I you know yeah. like, I was like. Yeah, I mean, he jerked up in front of someone. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> That's great. 
I'm you just, know, now then you get like a piece of shit comic that I might have been in the green room with before. He's been aloof and he's getting me too. I'm like, good for him. <laughs> 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 because he was aloof with yeah. me in 2002. <laughs> Comics are crazy petty like that, aren't they? I remember. I try, I try not to be, and I've gotten way better. But if I spend a little too much time on social media, I catch myself laying on my belly with my feet crossed, going like that. <laughs> <laughs> like throwing a tantrum. <laughs> laying on my belly with my feet crossed. Uh, about some shit that took place 15 years ago. I, I don't even know. I don't know that I even saw ODB crash the Grammys live. I don't know that I was even watching. But I do know the next morning I'm listening to Howard Stern and ODB shows up to talk about it. Wow. And you can tell he hadn't slept. And um, Howard plays him the video and goes through it line by line. And ODB's cracking up. Like, you almost got the sense that he was seeing it for the first time. <laughs> and are then, you, and then, are and then you serious? Was, yeah. And then Howard was like, well, what did that mean, Wu-Tang's? For, what are you teaching? He was like, what does that mean, Wu-Tang's for the children? He was like, well, uh, it means that we're teaching the children. And then Howard was like, what are you teaching the children? He said, love. <laughs> that's like yeah. when, that's like when you get up to fucking present in like second grade or something and you completely forgot that you even had a report to do that day. <laughs> yeah. And you're just kind of improvising as you go along. You're like, oh, OK. Uh, yeah. Um, Mount Rushmore's great. <laughs> you know what's funny about those Wu-Tang affiliates is that they changed the sound. What's one thing about New York hip hop? What one thing about hip hop during that time? When you think about the mid nineties, like 92, 93, mm -hmm. 94, that really was the golden era. And if you always you always think of like three of the best years, like in music, right? Yeah. Hip hop, I would say it's like 90. Two, 90, uh, 93, 94, 95, or 94, 95, 96, like somewhere around there. And I'll tell you what, a lot of New York rappers, Tribe Core Quest, Wu-Tang Clan, Biggie, Black Moon, all these, uh, Nas, uh, Mob Deep, all from New York had a very different sound yep. from one another. Yep. A very original sound, like a recording of where they were from. And then on the West Coast, you had Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, yeah. you know? so it was a very Tupac, right? You had a so you had a very interesting time where creatively everyone was at their height, yes. and they were really doing some special things. But a lot of them hid behind that shit because they got a lot of flack for calling women hoes and you know the drug content and everything. And Wu Tang was so funny because they were a lot of them were part. Um, of the five percent nation. Now, I'm not too, I'm not too, I'm not educated on what they're about. But the five percent nation is kind of a, like a branch off the nation of Islam. So they're like Muslims in a way, but they're super like militant. They believe that five percent 
of men in the world are the chosen ones. And they were the chosen ones, right? <laughs> so it's like, they'll call each other God. Yeah. Like, I, if, like if me and you were uh, five percenters, I'll go to you, uh, Ken, and go, yo, peace, God. What's today's mathematics. mathematics? And the yeah. mathematics are the teachings for, for the day. Mm-hmm. And you might, there's an alphabet, right? There's A, Allah, B, be born, C, cipher. So you might say, today's mathematics is cipher. The world goes around, like, whatever. And you'll give the breakdown. So they were very much in tune to like the, uh, the, the, the promotion of like a strong black man and everything. And, you know, and the plight against the black man needs to be opposed, right? But then a verse later, they're talking about smoking angel dust and PCP. (laughs) (laughs) It was made up of this ironic oxymoron where, you know, and but the funny thing is that's the way human beings are. That's the way we're all made up. But because this is music, because this is entertainment, it was in your face, it was very amplified, you know? So when going back to what ODB said, for the children, I have a feeling in his heart, he really wanted to do music and entertainment for the children. Is that, but in between, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of holes in his plan. Yes. <laughs> and one was smoking crack in front of his kid before he passed away. Yes, yeah, I just watched an interview with and the he kid. Made, he made his son watch him. That's how out of his mind he was. He made, he made him, he made him watch. Yeah, and he, he told his son, this is the highest I've ever been. And then he passed away a couple hours later. Yeah. So it was like he, like you joke about, but listen, whatever your thoughts on crack, the guy died doing what he loved. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) I mean, he was pretty vocal about how much he loved it. Uh, Do you remember remember the artist D'Angelo? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love D'Angelo. Yes. Love D'Angelo. Well, there was a time when he was using drugs. And I couldn't tell the difference between D'Angelo and Old Dirty Bastard. Oh, yeah, that's rough. Because remember how uh, Jack D'Angelo was in that video? Yeah, and then he got real puffy and his cornrows were undone. Yes. And, like, if you gave me a mugshot of both of them, I'll be like, alligators, crocodiles. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So there's something interesting that I just found out about the the Grammy incident. Mm-hmm. I was reading about this and I was looking at the video on YouTube and one of the comments pointed out something that I had read very briefly on his Wikipedia but now it makes sense. The night before the Grammys, Dirty rescued a kid out yes. of a car accident. Yes. So I guess in his way cuz under I I'm assuming this dude was probably cracked out of his mind when he did it or drunk or whatever. But I think in his mind, somehow saying that Wu Tang was for the chi- Wu Tang was for the children was somehow talking directly to that girl, because that's who he rescued or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. The the, the day, yeah the night before the Grammys, he, he's he was in the studio in New York, saw a car accident, ran out with some friends. They say it actually like lifted the car up, which may have been. You know, I don't know, like PCP strength or whatever. Like they actually, and they he saved a four-year-old girl's life. And then I, I also read as a follow-up that he w- would go and visit that girl in the hospital pretty regularly until the press got wind of it and started like camping out waiting for him. Wow. Yeah. So you think it's like you said, people are complicated. Like w- whatever you say about the guy, he fucking saved someone's life. Like there's a little girl that. 
is alive? Because I was going to say it's very possible she's dead now. <laughs> Good lord, why you got to ruin such a sweet moment? <laughs> See, that's just the way we think. Because I was like, I don't know why I pictured her at a strip club, and that's just awful. <laughs> I, I pictured that, and I, and I wasn't the same thing. But you opened the can of worms. <laughs> um, what about when? Uh, what about when? MTV's filming a documentary on him and he pulls up so his first solo album what was it, Return to the 36 Chambers uh, correct yeah his first solo album which was great um his first solo album they're they're filming a documentary on him and and the album cover is uh his welfare it's a welfare card with his face on it and they show him pulling up to the welfare office in a limousine with an MTV camera crew. No shit. Yes. And he goes and cashes his $350 check, his $350 welfare check, and collects his food stamps. And it caused a lot of controversy at the time. He, he had just he got, got in trouble for that. He got in trouble for it, and they actually... He hadn't done anything illegal. I was reading about it. He hadn't filed his taxes yet. He'd gotten a $40,000 cash advance for that album, which, by the way, not a lot of money. No. No. Not when, first off, the Wu-Tang album had, had sold millions of copies, and... To only get a $40,000 cash advance, you got to pay agents, you got to pay managers, you got to pay your team. So that's, that's spit in the face. Yeah. So, and and he said, like, they were even interviewing him, like, aren't you embarrassed about you're pulling up in a limo to get welfare? And he was like, no. He was like, this is how I grew up. He was like, I didn't, I didn't ask to be here. You know, my people were taken from somewhere and forced here, and I think you owe me much more than this. And I love food stamps. I love welfare. He, he was, he was very unapologetic about it, which I loved. But then you like, you yeah. Know, but there was, the, he got, yeah. There was a lot of controversy around that, and that's the thing about old dirty bastard. He is a, a slice of humanity that just so raw and honest. That people root for him. Yes. He's kind of, you know, a, it's like a folk another hero. figure like that. Yeah. It's Mike Tyson, mm -hmm. right? He admits his flaws. Yep. You know, flaws. And, you know, it's for some reason or another, you can identify, you know, with a person who finds strength and a vulnerability. Like, you're like, oh, I know that. Yeah. He's revealing something that I, yeah. I, I've actually, I'm guilty of, but he just has the balls to talk about it and, and yes. be it. Yes. You know? Yeah. He, he was very, I think that's what set him apart. You know, it's so hard, especially in Wu Tang. With all those personalities and all that talent, every one of them was so talented in, in their own way to, to stand out, you know, like that's that's not easy. And to stand out with all these hard personalities by being vulnerable and self-deprecating. And he was so funny. Like he, th those albums, as much as I loved that first album, his second album to me... I don't. I don't think I could. Say, <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to say. It. Sergio, can you say the name of the second album for me? It's called Nigga Please. <laughs> That's the name of the album. Yes. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, I don't know. So your, you, you prefer you prefer the uh, the second album over the first. The second album. I'm not even kidding. Is in my top five rap albums of all time because it doesn't sound anything like a rap album. It didn't sound like. It didn't sound like anything I'd heard come out of hip hop before that. You know, the the first album, as great as it was, 
You, it, it just it sounded like an extension of Wu Tang. Well, um, it was produced by RZA. That would help. Yeah. Well, RZA produced all. You know, that was part of his deal. He produced all their albums. Yeah. Um, but and by the way, I, I hold that thought. That I think that's what Wu Tang kind of messed up is when they started branching off so much that RZA was no longer producing the albums. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still under the Wu-Tang flag, but it's got to have a RZA beat. And I understand people, you know, can only create so much, but they just lend the emblem to too many people. Yeah. And it became very warded down. There yep. was just too many people carrying that flag. And I think they got paid well for that. But it kind of compromised the integrity of, like, the Wu sound. Yes. No doubt about it. Yeah. I'm also mistaken. Uh, RZA did produce on the second album, but not as much as the... Yeah, the um, the Neptunes produced a lot of that album. Uh, Pharrell yeah, Williams. He had, a hit, he had a hit single with Khalees. Yeah. Buddha Monk. Yep, yeah. Uh, uh, what did uh, Dirty Got My Money? Yeah, that was a hit. That they, you know, people still play that joint now. Yeah, it's I, it's funny. I was listening to the album on the way over here, and, and I haven't. When I got that album, I I was in college, and I played it. That was the only album in my CD player for probably close to a year. I just played it every single day because it was so unique, but it was so funny. Like there, he he just has such a sense of humor too. Um, but listening to it, so I started listening to it today for the first time, on maybe in 15 or 20 years, and I was surprised at how funny I still found it. I, I was like, oh my God, I forgot how good this song was. But in that song, in uh, uh, Got My Money, he, he sings um, something about the FBI don't be watching me. And then I found out, like, the FBI had a huge file on this dude. Like, it, the people thought he was a paranoid uh, drug addict, but the FBI was do, watching. Do you know why it. the FBI was after him? They, yeah, he he was. Um, they had a hundred page. They had a hundred page file on him. He 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 was suspected, like in some uh, some murder. Not not a suspect, but they thought he was tied to murders. I think they thought Wu Tang was like an actual criminal enterprise at the time. Yeah. Dude, this dude, there's literally a page on Old Dirty Bastard on the FBI Records website. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, and pe- people people were talking about how he was paranoid, but they 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 were. Like he he was right. Holy shit, this is it. I'm literally looking at their file on Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah. Holy shit. It's it's like a hundred page file. I was reading some so of it. What, what, what happens is what they'll do is the FBI and the hip hop police. If Old Dirty Bastard was affiliated with anybody who was involved in some real street shit, they'll go after him. They'll go after the artist because that's the money. A lot of times they look at those guys as the person financing. So they'll put a lot of pressure on them to see if they, what they can squeeze out, mm-hmm. you know? Like they've been known to do that. You know, he may, he may not have been directly involved, but he may have known somebody. So to put a magnifying glass on him, make his life a, hit, a living hell, you know, just to, just to create some noise and pressure on the, uh, the whatever enterprise he may have known of or whatever. It could have been a cousin that was involved in some shit. Yeah. But because he's the famous one, they'll make sure that they'll cause a ruckus, you know, 
they, it's a tactic, you know? Yeah. He, it's yeah, wild. he, 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 you know, he was in. Because the, the, the fact of the matter is not even after his death, nothing has come up of him doing anything of the sort. Not no, no drug deals. No, you know, but the FBI was watching him, which is wild. Yes. Yeah. And he, he was he was in and out of trouble with the law just his entire life. At one point, he got pulled over by um, plainclothes cops. And some sort of, I, I don't know why, I guess they felt like they were in some kind of trouble, ODB and his cousins, and they fled. And, or maybe, maybe I don't remember, the, like the cops brandished a gun or something and they got scared. They didn't even know they were cops because they were, they were plain clothes. Maybe that was it. So they started pulling away. Um, the cops, now the cop side of the story was that old dirty bastard had a gun and open fire on them and he was charged he's on the phone with his mom the whole time his mom his mom uh is in an interview said he called from the car saying mom the police are after me and they're shooting uh the police claimed that he had opened fire on them and he's arrested he, he finally stops he's arrested and he's charged with attempted murder of a police officer um, wow. No search. There, no weapon is turned up in the search. And the only shell casings found were fired from the police. And they still charge him, even with no weapon and no evidence, they charge him with attempted murder of a police officer. He ends up getting fully exonerated. Uh, and, and the police have to step up and admit that like it they did, fucked it, up they i they fucking lie yeah yeah i don't you know i don't think they ever admit when they lie but i think they stepped up and were like oh maybe it didn't happen the way we thought it happened and he, he no got, shit yeah he was he was fully You're exonerated bad. and it's crazy because that stuff got swept under the rug right it's like yeah. soon after that it's like, yeah it's wild yeah. then then he gets then he gets popped for um they pulled him over for something like weed possession or something. And he's wearing a bulletproof vest. And, th and that's illegal. Yeah, that's illegal for because he was a convicted felon on so much other shit. You're not allowed to wear bulletproof vests, which I was trying to figure out why that would be like. I would think, oh, wouldn't convicted felons need them the most? You like, know, like, aren't I, they the most likely to get shot? I just so saw you're gonna, you're get a lot of trouble for wearing a bulletproof vest. It's almost like. It's like it's close. To, it's like it's almost in the same. Uh, it's like almost like carrying a gun. It's like almost the same offense. What? Yeah. It's, Not quite, but you'll get in trouble. Like you can if, serve, if, if you can serve time. For it's it. nowhere near that, though. It's not a I weapon. Know, it's wild. It's super illegal. He was he was facing he was facing three years on the charge. Yeah. Yeah. And but what what they don't tell you is he had been shot a few times you know like he he he'd come off a recent wu-tang tour you know and had like a bag of money or whatever somebody broke into his home and shot him and took his money like he was a victim of of a home invasion so he's he's paranoid he's paranoid out on the streets so they pull him over with a bulletproof vest he doesn't have any weapons but I, I guess he just doesn't want to get shot, you know? Um, 
and then uh, they sent him. Did, did you ever? Did you ever get to see him live at all? Did you ever see Wu Tang live? No, no. I, I, you know, I just studied him through music videos. I his catalog of music, but I never got to see him live. I seen other Wu Tang members like individually, but I never seen him. Yeah. Um. But I, I remember, man, vividly when Protect Your Neck first came out and his verse. I mean, everyone is breaking off into a rap, like right off the bat. And you gotta understand, there's like nine members, they're like nine superheroes on a track. No one heard anything like it. It's nine members on a gritty ass track. The beat is raw, the the uh, the video is like done with a camcorder, it's grainy. Every time one of the rappers starts to spit their lyrics, it, it shows their name at the bottom. It's like real raw. And when he comes on, I remember, like, everyone remembers the way ODB started his verse. Like, come on, baby, baby, come on, baby, yeah. baby, come on, baby, baby, come on. Like, it's this, no one ever did that before. It was like he owned the style from the jump, you know? He paid and, honor uh, to his influences. What was that? He paid honor to his influences while, Absolutely. At, the, yeah, while yeah. at the same time and, putting and his he was, spin. You know, he was a little older than the other Wu-Tang members, so he had a lot of respect from them. You know, he was uh, yeah. Yeah, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of them uh, really looked up to him. And in and, and the world of like the 5% Nation and everything, they went to him for teachings and everything because he was very much involved in that. So he was like highly regarded, not only for his, you know, musically, but um, on a spiritual level, I think. I think they, 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 a lot of those members like sought him for like knowledge and, and, and he was like a mentor to a lot of them, even though he was an active addict for, you know, a lot of the time or whatever, but they really, all, a lot of the members held him in high regards. Yeah, I think, I think he was a much smarter and more spiritual dude than he got credit for. Cause absolutely. He, he, yeah. He, I mean, and that's one thing that, that's one thing that, that uh, is said over and over by the Wu Tang members to this day. To this day, there's a there's a um, you ever there's a, a, a Wu Tang member by the name of Capadonna. Mm -hmm. You ever heard of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was in jail when Wu Tang first came out, and I'm a big fan of his too. You know, and I um, I tweeted out to him one time one of his verses on a song called Ice Cream, which is on yeah. Ray Kwan's album. Yeah, it's a great song. The lyric goes just like this, quote, I jizz them like a giant <laughs> break wombs out of the socket. <laughs> <laughs> so I quoted that. I quoted that. I said, I jizz them like a giant break wombs out of the socket. And then I said, uh, and then I wrote hashtag dirtbag shit at Capadonna. And Capadonna got so upset with me. <laughs> he, me back. he said, oh, dirt back shit. Uh, old dirty bastard said, if it ain't dirty, it ain't worthy. Uh, but you're probably from the Lily White House and you wouldn't get any of that. <laughs> Dude. The fact that he got so upset with me and at me and gave me the little A with the circle around it, I was like, oh man, I'm a big fan. I meant no disrespect. I was honoring. The, the the verse I love what you guys do and that was it. You did you hear anything was, back from him? No, no, of course not. You know you compliment and you're not gonna get anything. But the moment they feel a little heat yeah. or they say something the wrong way, they'll respond to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just the nature. 
of people, not just him specifically. Yeah, I it is. Even I a mean, comic, like yeah. a big comic, if you say, hey, great work, they might not say that. If you say, oh, you did the same joke in the club last week, you're more inclined to get a response. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the, it's, you see the one negative comment, your eyes just immediately are drawn to it. You can see a yeah. sea of them, but the one bad comment will fuck your day up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just highlighted. It's already like when, when we're, when we're performing live and, and you could be having the set of your life and you look out and see 200 people roaring with laughter and you see one lady with her arms crossed and the something smells bad face and that's yes, all you worst. can fucking see it's it's all you can focus the, the other noise means nothing and and it's just what is this one lady's fucking problem yeah, I've, for a I've, while, that used to really get to me. There was a compilation created in my head yes. of all the people with their arms crossed like yeah. this. Yeah. I remember them for weeks on end. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know how when hitmen talk about like how they carry the ghosts of everyone they killed along around with them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like the same thing. And then I, I got better about it. I started to think... You know what? Maybe this person's just maybe it's got nothing to do with me. Maybe they just had the worst day of their life and they came here as a distraction or they they'd already committed to coming here. They don't even want to be here like she they're not heckling. They're just not happy. Maybe it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, I think I think most of the time it's not personal. Also, there are a good uh, amount of people who are just so shy that they don't want to create any uh, attention towards themselves, even yeah. though by doing behaving that way, they're creating attention. They're, they're bringing attention towards them because they're not blending in with the laughs. Yeah. Like but some people just don't want to, you know, be. Uh, they don't want to. They they feel too tight and yeah. they don't want to like laugh because they feel like it's a big attention towards them. Yeah. Or maybe we're just making excuses for people who just don't like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I I I. Uh, a few months ago, I was having a really rough set, and I stopped and said that to this woman who was just scowling at me. I was like, you know, I used to, I used to immediately think that when I see something like this, that you just hate me and it's on me. But I, I've, I've opened my mind to the possibility, like maybe you're just having a bad day. Maybe, maybe things didn't go the way you wanted at work today. Maybe you got into a fight with your husband. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and ignore this and, and not, and like normally I would get real angry and, and I would combative and I, I I'm not going to do that with you. And then she was like, Oh no, no, no. Like my day was fine. It's I, it's you. Like I hate, <laughs> <laughs> You're bullshit. She didn't say that. <laughs> no, she did. She told me it was me. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love that woman. <laughs> I, I love the fact that she made you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and then once I did that, it was like a can of worms open because then the rest of the audience felt comfortable. Talking uh, shit, voicing their displeasure with with, with the set, it, and, and it was like a, it was a headline set in the Poconos. It was forty five minutes of people just like, oh, why did he say that? <laughs> some woman, some woman raised her hand and and asked. She was like, I just don't get why you have to talk so much. <laughs> no yes. way. Yeah. Get- why do we Why do we do this to ourselves? Uh, because- no, seriously, that's a serious. Why do we do this to ourselves? Because most of the time it's not like that, or we like the challenge. I don't. I, why, it, why? I like the challenge. I personally like the challenge. Like shit, like that to me. When when things go sideways, it's like we were saying up front. 
when you have those moments that can never be replicated again, and and it's just so in the moment and and sideways, and I, I live you feel alive. Yeah, I live for that shit. Yeah, like when? Yeah, you, do I you, mean, have you have you had this one? I was um, I was with Chris outdoor venue, Jersey. It was it wasn't an optimal setup, right? I get up, I do my thing. I'm less than mediocre. It's like there's no connection. It's fucking hot. The, the crowd is too far away. It's just a mess, you know? Chris goes up, an audience member that, that obviously saw him before. Right when Chris is about to get to the punchline, the guy says the punchline. Oh, God. Yeah, and Chris got mad. And that's happened to me before, and it pissed me off. And yeah. I've never seen Chris mad, but it's like, he got mad. But, you know, like, you know, at that point, you can't even save face. You just got to tell me, you fucking asshole. This is not about you. You know, like, you can't do this shit. Like, there's other paying customers here. Why would you step on the punchline? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you that know? would fucking drive me nuts. Um, oh, you know what I wanted to talk about? So I, I got to see ODB once. And it was this legendary thing that happened. And I was just reading up on it again today. There's, and if, um, if you're listening, there's an amazing documentary on Showtime called Of Mikes and Men. It's, oh, uh, that was great. Yeah, it's, it's a four, I actually saw footage of what I'm about to talk about on it. And, and until I watched this last night, it had just been a, a 20-year-old memory. But, um, so ODB is, uh, he gets arrested for, I don't remember what the, this may have been the body armor thing. And as part of his plea deal, he is sent to rehab and he hangs, okay. he hangs out in rehab for a bit, decides it's not for him and busts out and goes AWOL and is now a fugitive from the law. And this was back in 2000. I want to make sure I got the... Yeah, it was back in 2000. And so uh, ODB on, on the second Wu-Tang album, Wu-Tang Forever, he's barely on it. He's only like by then, I think even by just by the second album, egos were starting to get in the way. They yeah, were starting but I to... will say and hold that thought. Mm -hmm. He was on a dope ass song called Reunited. Yeah. On the second album, it was a double CD. Yes, and I've always thought that song "Reunited" should have been a single because it had a hook, it had a dope ass violin. Yes, it, it had all the makings for a great single. But you're right; I think egos are colliding. You know, members were doing other things. Whoever was on that particular song, ODB, yeah, because you know may have not been available. But that was a dope ass track. And you're right; he was he was only like on three or four tracks. Yep. Yep, he only had one solo song, and then he just did a couple verses on a few other songs. Yeah, the solo song was dog shit. Dog shit, yeah. <laughs> um, not that's the name of the song. Not we're not saying it was a terrible track. I was um, actually going to ask. Yeah, I was like, Wait. No, no, the the song is called Dog Shit. It's actually a pretty good song. Um, on their third album, the W. Now, now he's. And he's been in and out of jail. He, I think he's on one verse on one song. On he's barely on that album, and he's 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 not showing up on on shows. You know, he's he hasn't been he hasn't been uh, a part of the live shows now for a few years. So when the third album, the W, comes out, they have a record release party at Hammerstein Ballroom, November twenty first, two thousand. 
Yes, yes, I remember the story. Yes, my friend, my friend Josh and I are there because he, he's he's from Staten Island. We're both huge Wu Tang fans, so we bought the tickets. And I remember on the way in talking about how bummed we were that we weren't going to see ODB because I, I don't know about ODB was always my favorite member of Wu Tang. I, I they're all so good, but ODB just stood out for me. Yeah. And um, you're not going to ask who my favorite is, right? No, yeah, I, fine. it's fine. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Ghostface Killer. All right, carry on. <laughs> so um, we're at the record release party. He, he's he's a fugitive from the law. So, of course, you're like, there's no way he's going to be here. And they get halfway through the show. And then they announced that they got a guest and they um that piano for uh oh baby i like it raw oh man that's sick starts that's playing sick. and odb comes out and they sing the first verse of that and then they go into a wu-tang song and the place goes nuts like it's the first time they even acknowledge it and OD and and they're like hey this is the first time all nine members have been on the same stage together in 3 years and oh, i remember i even remember ODB saying something like the whole fucking world's looking for me now and but i couldn't i had to come in and say hi to you guys like he crashed <laughs> he crashed his own record release party and i remember him saying something like like oh i'm 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 just a fly on the window now he he was like i i got to run cuz the cops are everywhere the cops are looking for me i'm going to i'm going to turn into a bird and live on bird food or something like that and they did they did the two songs brought the house down and i remember even talking about it now like like the, the hair on my neck standing up a little bit like you knew it was such you knew it was such a big moment and you didn't know if it was ever going to happen again. And I don't even know for sure. I was trying to Google it. To say, I don't know if that was the last time all nine of them were on stage. Was it there, may have been. It may have been. It may have been. And I remember the footage of that. He looked frantic. Yes. I mean, he, did his, he did his verse, but he looked frantic. Yes. Literally on the run. He, yes. He was pacing back and forth, looked frantic, looking everywhere. Did two songs, blew the root like the place went nuts. Here's how crazy it was. There was um, uh, I was reading about it today. I was uh, there was article. There was an article in Rolling Stone. I found you know like the day after the concert when they talked about it, it was like future of ODB shows up, whatever. Uh, apparently, Redman came out two songs later. I don't even remember that. Like, I don't, you know, like, like Red Man coming out with Wu-Tang would be such a, would be such a big deal. Right. I don't even have any memory that Red Man showed up at the concert. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I never, I, I've always liked Red Man as a solo performer. Mm -hmm. I liked him with Hit Squad and I've enjoyed him. He's a lot of people's top five, but I never gelled Wu-Tang and Red Man together. And, but, and he's very much a part of Wu-Tang these days. Yeah. Like he partnered up with Method Man and stuff like that. And they came out with albums together. And what do you call it when, uh, I guess he's an honorary Wu-Tang member. Yeah. He's, right? he's, got, he's got like a, like an, like a doctor, like an honorary doctorate in Wu-Tang. Right, right, right. And, but I never like accepted that, you know, you know, I just never like, Wu-Tang to me is like the guys who came out 
originally, not some adopted shit that happened 10 years later. This but, is con- well, Red, Red Man is funny. I remember he had a verse on one of Ghostface albums and he said, uh, he said, your weed has more, <laughs> he said, you can't smoke with me because your weed has more seeds than ODB. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit that is a rappers great are fucking funny man I gotta they tell are. you man a lot of these fucking guys and every time I met a rapper they love stand up comedy mm-hmm. right and they're naturally funny yes every rapper I've met they're naturally funny they're, they're sharp as a whip and they get it yeah. you know and they hold stand up comedy in high regards forget rap every musician I've met and that's always been yes. the tone that's always been the mutual respect so it's love, you know? Yeah. It's pretty fucking dope. Yeah, but we... rappers specifically, a lot of them are fucking hilarious. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. I I was um I was lucky enough to do a spot with Russell Peters not that long ago. And a bunch of rappers showed up for him. Yeah, he has a lot of uh, friends with Yeah, Vinny from Naughty by Nature was there. Greg Nice from Nice and Smooth was there. And um they yeah, I I was I was talking with both of them and they were we have this conversation all the time on this show about how mu- how musicians are just frustrated comics and comics are just frustrated musicians and uh, Oh man, you know how many, how many hours I spent in the fucking mirror reciting Wu-Tang and Tupac songs like it's ridiculous. If there was a compilation of all the time the hours I spent in front of like mirrors in my house in my home reciting lyrics it would easily be hundreds of hours of just wasted time (laughs) (laughs) of me acting like a child (laughs) um yeah that was it's funny i was i was reading the reviews of that concert and and i didn't remember anything that they were they were talking about fans being angry because uh there was so much security to get in and then they didn't take the stage until an hour after they were supposed to i don't remember any of that i just remember odb coming out on stage and the electricity in the place and the energy and 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 the cheering and I, that's, but that moment, you know, it, it was wild seeing it on, on the documentary because it just, it had just lived in my head for all these years. And I hope that ODB knows if like, there's any consciousness or whatever that his last few hours with his son or whatever, maybe that shit needed to happen, right? Because maybe that leaves such an impression on his son that his son would stay clear of ever living that sort of life. Yeah. You know, that's the hope. You know, that's the hope. But listen, thirteen of them fuckers. You got to figure at least a few of them went down some bad paths. Yeah, his four or five, <laughs> not his four yeah. or five favorites. Yeah, maybe maybe not the main ones. The main ones are. <laughs> I heard him on on Howard when he the the morning after the Grammys. I remember Howard asking him, "So how many kids do you have?" And he just laughed and laughed. He didn't even give a number. He. <laughs> He couldn't. He probably didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. How do you remember the names? I call my daughter Curry. Yeah. That's my dog's name. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I mix up my daughter and my yes. do- uh, my daughter and my dog's name. Yes. Constantly. Yes. So imagine and, and you have one. You have one. And I have one daughter. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do that with my daughter. I call her my niece's name all yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. imagine 13 kids. Yeah, unless you do that move like George Foreman where they're just and they're all, all named George, right? Yeah, and it's just they're all dirty. <laughs> or or they're all or maybe like I would just start naming them after all my old nicknames. Yeah, at this like point. like yeah, big box of chili. Old dirty Chinese restaurant. Get over here. <laughs> Why'd you eat the last chicken puffs? Yeah, Dad, I'm not Dirt McGirt. I'm Dirt Schultz. Like, what's wrong with oh, you? My bad, my bad. Go get Dirt Schultz. <laughs> Everything about that dude was super original. Even the way he wore his hair. Remember he had it yeah. braided? Yep. Like it was cornrows in the middle, cornrows in the back, and then it was like a, a peacock fan. In the middle. Yeah. Like this braid sticking up in the middle. <laughs> he looked like a little rascal's character. You know what? I This dude this dude in the documentary, I, I was trying to figure out, like for me, I feel like there's not truth to this. But then it, it did get me thinking. So this dude said, uh, I can't find my notes, but it, it was, it was um, what, I think it was like the head of Loud Records or something, like one of these record companies that they were on for a little bit. Um. He said the reason white people love ODB so much was because they were laughing at him. Like, it was a little bit of, like, laughing at a clown, and he gave them permission to be, like, a little casually racist by laughing at him. And then I was you know like, interesting? I, I, thought, I, I just thought he was brilliant. Like, I just fucking loved the music. And he made me like, yeah, he made me laugh, but like not at like he was clearly in on the joke. Yeah, it's so funny that you read that you, you, you bring that up because I had questions going into this podcast. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, out of all the Wu-Tang members, ODB was definitely the most popular with white people. And yes. I wonder why that is. But I think I, I never thought of it that way. It's interesting that that guy would say that because he's probably the racist. <laughs> Canceled. Because <laughs> I never thought about that. I thought because he did have kind of like a rock star appeal. Yes. Yeah. You know, because he was wild. Like, he kind of behaved like a rock star. Yeah. You know, like he, his shirt was off. Yep. He would spit alcohol out of his mouth. Yep. And he was very unorthodox. Like yeah. He kind of let, that lended himself to a very, you know, like almost like a a heavy metal vibe. Yeah, you know? punk rock. It was a very like Johnny Rotten vibe. Like Exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah. I wonder if he liked Chuck Berry and all that like all those older acts cuz like I'm I could, sure I he, could. he did uh, in in fact I said he I saw in multiple interviews where he was talking about Chuck Berry, Marvin Gaye. We've said it at top. Otis Redding, the the other band that I was surprised because you would never put these two together is uh, the Beatles. He name-checked the Beatles in interviews all the time. I mean, when you listen to the production of his first record, it makes sense, because it's got those really odd-sounding beats by RZA and a couple of other people. So it makes sense that he would list that as like an influence, because it's like, oh, he's definitely on something ethereal, or at least he's trying to be, and succeeding whether or not in the music, definitely in who he was as a person, if that makes any sense. That that made no. I zoned out. No, did that, not- Sergio. Did that make any sense? <laughs> <laughs> it sounded so smart that I had to agree. With it. Like it was one of those things. Like I'm not gonna dispute that. That just sounds smart. But I have no idea what you're Basically, he, he basically instead of being instead of like directly sampling the Beatles. Oh right. Where like. 
he would take Strawberry Fields forever and then make his own record. He would take kind of the vibe and attitude. Oh, okay, yeah. And kind of yeah. transpose it into what suited his needs because this dude's a black man from the hood. The Beatles were four white men from the suburbs yeah. of Liverpool. The suburbs of Liverpool. Yeah. But like. It, it it was still a thing that he could relate to because like even even some of the Beatles didn't grow up in some of the best circumstances and I think that that struggle is universal so like even though they both came from very different sides of the track you can find the correlation yeah and that translates into his music as well oh well that makes way more when I when I actually pay attention that does make See, a, when yeah you that pay does attention, <laughs> there you go when I pay attention it makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. Kahuna, did you ever, so uh, did you ever have, um, I know you had rappers coming in and out of your house all the time growing up. Any, any Wu-Tang members? Not that I, there could have very well been, and I just don't know. Yeah. But I know for a fact I had some tribe members hanging out. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. That was a good time. You you remember, you remember PM Don Sergio? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Kahuna is Prince B's son. What's up? Oh, really? Yeah, that's my pop. Oh, that's awesome. I remember, man, I remember he had a single out that was popping, and I saw him. He had the dreads, and he was such an imposing figure. He was so tall, and he had like this purple, he had like a purple, it was like, like purple the vest like, or something. I saw him by Tower Records and um, on Third Street, and I saw every, I saw so many rappers in that neighborhood. I grew up on Third Street between A and B. Right up the block, going towards the the, the, the village, Tower Records is there. I saw PM Don, and I asked your pops for autograph, and he obliged. And it said, uh-huh. and I was like in sixth grade, and I was all like, ah. I saw Man there, I saw RZA there, I saw Guru. What year? Gangstar. What year was that? Do you remember? I, what was that? Do you remember the year? Just curious. So I was in sixth grade. It had to be 1991, 90. Wow. Yep. So he was popping, like yeah. he had he had some shit, for, like during that time that was like on the radio hard. So, so I recognized him immediately, you know. Yeah, that's pops. He was always yeah, it was awesome. He it was, was always awesome, cool man. like that. But I like, had grab. I wish I still had it. I, I definitely misplaced that. But there were so many, you know, a lot of Wu Tang members I would see through it. And it's funny because I was a kid, you know, and listening to these fucking records, into these guys, and they looked like they were like in their twenties and their thirties, and I was in my teens. And then, you know, they look so, like, it was so dope to, like, hear them on record and then, and then see, see them, them, you know, in person, you know, oh, yeah. like, uh, two blocks away from where I lived, you know? No, man. No, I, I completely get that. That was that was me with The Roots the first time I saw them, because I had heard the, that music growing up in my house my whole life. Yeah. And then I finally see this amazing-ass band for the first time, actually, on a Tonight Show taping, on a late night, but well, not the show Jimmy Fallon did before he mm-hmm. took over the Tonight Show. And they were doing like a warm up performance. And I was like, that's the that's the roots. Like it, it clicked in such a cool way. But yeah, man, uh, it's it's crazy because I love hearing stories like that. So I'm glad. Yeah, I met Method Man at uh, the McDonald's on Broadway. He was with some Asian shit, real good looking. And I was like in sixth, seventh grade, and I was like, yo, meth, and I got an autograph. He wrote the autograph on the menu on the train yeah. and gave it. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote, peace to Sergio, represent Meth and Math for Life. Oh, it was man. fucking dope. And then you had to carry a fucking McDonald's tray home? 
No, it was, it was the paper. <laughs> oh, oh, the pocket okay. tray. I bet he <laughs> kept that. I thought he signed the tray like oh, it was no, like a no, styrofoam it was, it was tray. On the paper. Oh, okay. You know, Ken, not for nothing. <laughs> I bet he kept that one, not the PM Dawn one. See how it is. <laughs> you know what? Well, what I did was I would, I would tape them on my wall with all my other hip hop stickers. And you know, just wear and tear. It wasn't yeah, a good way to time, preserve them. After time, it, it just it, it's gone. It's all good. I'm just yeah. fuck, I'm just fucking with you, dude. I can't help it. <laughs> oh man, but the, they would feel guilty. Nah, there was something. Else I feel guilty that I have that memorabilia anymore. It's like, you know, it's like an auction it off on, on, on eBay. <laughs> you there's, know, there's like a, a big, true dirt bag. A, there's a big market for autographs made out to Sergio. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's. Um, um, there's th- just an off the cuff thing just for a second because when my dad passed that we were going through like old home movies and stuff like that and one of the coolest pieces of footage is him recording uh, one of his songs uh, called I Had No Right and then all of a sudden in walks Buster Rhymes and Buster Rhymes just chills for the rest of the session just hangs out listening and watching my dad make the record and I fucking love Buster Rhymes yeah so that that's that for me was like oh shit it was like that so just the coolest yeah, side. And, and, and Buster Rhymes, like ODB, is one of those acts, like an original act, yeah. you know, uh, who's unorthodox, who, you know, does things on his terms creatively. Yeah. I mean, those guys are special. Yeah. And so was OD, uh, so definitely ODB was, man. He gone gone way too soon. He, he he was just one of these, he was just one of the most unique just one of the just so different yeah there there was something rock and roll about him absolutely for sure just just a character like like a like a cool keith character like there's just not a lot of not a lot of dudes out there like that imagine they were i know they have the wu-tang show we were talking about this before we were recording but can you imagine if like they had done wu-tang movies not just not just like one movie that's all of the Wu-Tang yeah. getting together. What if each one had a biopic yeah, like that the, led like, to an Avengers-style yeah, like movie of hip-hop? <laughs> yeah. That'd be sick. Yeah, they were. They were They were like like superheroes in a way. I, I like everything that has to do with Wu-Tang Clan, but the Hulu uh, show, I loved the first season. The second season, I'm like three episodes in. I think that's where they're at right now. But the RZA's voice... Is annoying the shit out of me. The actor? The actor. I don't remember his voice sound like that in the first season. But he, he talked he, like this. Yeah, he did like, kind of. Oh. I noticed that too, yo. He did yeah, kind of step up. It's fucking he, awful. It's the like first he, season is something it's, weird. The RZA does have a very distinctive voice, and every yeah. time I sing a RZA song around my wife and child, they turn green and they fucking leave the apartment. They're like, "That's disgusting." <laughs> like, we are gonna leave you because he got he kind of talks like this, you know, with the inflection. Yeah, but he and talks I like that naturally. Trying to do it, but it sounds. So awkward. It's awful. It's awful. The first season, he's fine. And he's, he's actually... He's fine. He See, does thank a, you. Thank he, you, Kuna. I appreciate that. He does a great job. Crazy. I was like, this no, shit you're, is working the shit out of me. You're not wrong. I like he, why they haven't pulled a plug on that fucking voice. He he amps it up in a weird fucking way for no reason. And it irks no me, too. And no one's talking about it. That's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, the whole I'm watching the entire show. With my my teeth clenched like this. Ah. <laughs> Stop talking ah. like that. <laughs> like, ah. 
It's tough. It's a tough listen, man. It's ruining the show for me. But I'm not happy. But with that, uh, that being said, what do you think so far of the show in general? I like it. It's fun. I think it's embellished. I think it's sensationalized. No doubt about it. 100%. Uh, the fact that uh, that Riz, uh, that Ghostface Killer and Raekwon had beef and they were shooting at each other and they had this war, that's supposedly, according to them, that's not true. So there's a lot of embellishment. I did, they're doing that for the show. And I don't, be, you know, but it's still fun. It's entertaining. It's Wu-Tang. And I'm, I'm enjoying it. But it seems like a lot of it's, a lot of it is bullshit, I which think, is fine. You know, it's a show. You know, they got to no. have content and material. No, I but. hear what you're saying. I think the, the more appropriate direction to go, because I'm also a filmmaker. So I like I'll watch it and I'm like, how would I have done this any differently? And I think because there's so many members of the Wu-Tang Clan, I think it would have made a lot more sense for the seasons to be like the episode count equal to the amount of members. So like a nine episode season, but each episode covered each member and what they were going through during that time. Yeah, I think that would have been dope. Or incorporated somehow like that and tie it in. For sure. I think yeah. that would have been dope. Cause I because I will be fair and say that like it's it's unapologetically focused on RZA, which which is not wrong to do, but like when you're the creator of the show, you obviously yeah. put yourself at a higher standard. And it's not even a necessarily a diss. I love this show and I love Riz as a filmmaker yeah, and I as like an artist. Show too. But like, not, not, so the Riz, he is the producer of the show? He created it too. Okay, okay. All right. That's what I thought. I wasn't totally sure though. He was, uh, I think he he co-wrote the, the pilot? with. Yeah, how the hell is he allowing that actor to speak that way? If the voice <laughs> is awful. I don't know, man. I mean. Do, do, they, do they do their own rapping on the show? Yes, a little bit. Yeah. So what's what's cool, though, about the process with the actors, and here's my own assumption as to why RZA hasn't probably corrected him yet, because this is the dude who I think was in Moonlight, right? Like, he was in he was in an Academy Award-winning movie, so I think RZA's kind of of the mindset where he's like, hey, man, if he wants to bring that to the table, I won't change his mind, even if yeah, that's not I how I... Yeah, I think you're right. He might, he might decide... Yeah, I mean... Then you could, yeah, that could be it. But Jesus, it's distracting. <laughs> but I'll, man, I'll have to check it out. It's um, still worthy of a watch. Yeah. All right. Well, Sergio, are you have fun today. This was great. It's so good blast, seeing you. Man. Holy shit! I see you, and I I miss you even more. <laughs> I know. Seriously, well, man, I can't wait till I get to see you in person. This is awesome, man. Thank you for including me on this. ODB for life. Wu Tang Clan forever. <laughs> I'll come. That's, that's the way voice, the Rizzo voice is supposed to go. Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> that's annoying. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I will uh, October 14th. I'm at the stand, so I'll uh, I'll I'll come I'll come do an episode with you. I mean, it is okay. I'm putting I'm putting it down right now. Yeah. That's a Thursday. Thursday the so 14th. I'm gonna put down Ken Kratz. We don't need to talk about this now. I'll see you on October 14th. DBS where, podcast. Yeah. Where 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 can people find you? Uh, so, I got a website, and it's on and popping. Brand new website, SergioChicone.com. Uh, all my dates are on there. Don't be frazzled by all the other content. I got a, the podcast listed on there. I got the comedy dates. I'm also a personal trainer. Um, do not reach out to me if you don't have uh, $150 to pay me for the hour. <laughs> That's some dirtbag shit. I'm right. kidding. If you're interested in boxing lessons, 
I got you. But, however, I'm independent and I do the boxing sessions outside. So there's a good chance you'll be punching mitts under an oak tree that smells like urine in Tompkins Square Park. And the scene will be of homeless people having sex. That is oddly well, specific, but I like is. it. <laughs> <laughs> way to sell yourself. All right, Sergio, man, it was great seeing you. I'll see you in a few weeks. I'm happy. I'm excited. Thank you for doing this. This was fun. I hope you had a blast. It was awesome to meet yeah, you, this man. Is fucking dope, man. Kahuna, good meeting you, brother. You too. Yeah, we'll 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 have you back on for sure. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> I love Peace you, brother. Brothers, thank you. See you next week.